So I have an idea. Now, this is crazy. Just call me crazy. But what if we all took the offering money this morning, bought Powerball tickets, you know where I'm going, right? And then we'll tithe off of that, 10%. We could build a church. Be awesome. So, so I don't know. We'll talk with Dan, my financial advisor, see what he thinks. He's looking at me like, you're crazy. Don't even think about it. Now, make sure you sign in this morning because if you're not on the list, you don't get a part of the winnings, all right? Just let you know. Just make sure you get your name on the list. Now, we're not going to do that, but I do think that, uh, that the financial piece is exactly that. So I encourage you to be a part of that. So last week, last week if you weren't here, we got a chance. We dove right into the beginning of the year. We dro- drove into the genesis of 2016, and we looked at the story the, just kind of a highlight of the book of Genesis. And today, we're going to go into the book of Exodus. By the way, if you're a guest or a visitor here, thank you so much for, for being here. And if you're a regular attender, thank you so much for being here. We're just glad to see your face. Be sure today that if you are a regular and you're looking around and think, I see some, some new faces, please make sure that you introduce yourself and make them feel uh, welcomed here at the, uh, the, the church. Is it a little... It's a little cold in here, isn't it? Everybody feel that? Everybody feeling that? All right, I did send a, a, a note to the, the janitor on duty. He said, please let the powers that be, which Mr. Dorman's here, he's the power. He'll know somebody. He knows someone that can help this, take care of this. But it's on a system. It's on like a computerized system, and so you can't change it like the thermostat in your house that quick. So anyway, we'll get it taken care of. So last week we jumped in. We, we did Genesis. It, we looked at the, the, the beginning of God's story how is the revelation of God and his story with us as mankind. We looked at the sovereignty of God, the sinfulness of man, and the promise of redemption. Praise the Lord for that. Um, and this idea that God is in control, even in the midst of great chaos in our life, God is in that. He's in control. We saw God's faithfulness to Abraham and his family. We see Abraham being blessed with with a son named Isaac. From Isaac come two sons, Jacob and Esau. And the blessing went to Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons. 12 sons. And by the blessing of their father before his death, they all become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now Jacob had a favorite son. His name was Joseph. And Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers because of their jealousy. Now, let me just, young people... Young people, maybe older people too, but just, just curious, have you, would you be willing to admit this morning that you've considered that <laughs> with your siblings? Maybe putting them on eBay or something or Craigslist, you know, just for sale, <laughs> just to get rid of them. Nobody wants to admit that, oh, right? But yeah, you're shaking your head, yeah, yeah, I've thought that, you know, no. Um, I'm sure there are probably times when my sisters, when I was just a little guy running around acting crazy, they probably thought about that, giving me away or something. Probably wouldn't have got any money for me. They just gave giving me away. But I want you to remember this, these thoughts, okay, as we, as we jump into the rest of this journey together. Remember the sovereignty of God, okay, in control. Think about the sinfulness of man, which is pretty easy to think about because all we have to do is just look, look in the mirror and we see that. Or just look in the news But then don't forget the promise of redemption. The promise of redeeming this messed up world that we live in. So in this uh, this story of God's people, it's amazing how 
how Joseph, this favorite son of Jacob, ends up, after being sold into slavery, he ends up being the second in command in Egypt. He becomes, he gets this incredible opportunity, this power, this position, um, because of these series of God moments in his life, of times where he thought he was down and out and the game was over, but, he was, but, he, but it wasn't over. God, because of his sovereignty and his plan of redemption, still, even in the midst of the sinfulness of man, had a plan to bring Joseph out of that, put him in the position for just a right time. There was a drought that ended up in the land where the rest of Joseph's family lived, and they were forced to come to Egypt to buy grain to survive. And guess who it was that they had to come and ask for the grain? It was Joseph, their brother, but they didn't recognize him. It had been so long, and he looked different, and he disguised himself. They didn't know it was him. And so I want you to consider this, this, this thought for a moment today. Joseph is faced with an incredible opportunity to exercise some justice. Because justice is when you get what you deserve. Now that, ooh, it stings a little bit, doesn't it? We've all experienced justice. When we get what we deserve. Or he could decide to give mercy and grace. You know, grace is when you get what you don't deserve. And mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. And so Joseph's brothers, the ones who sold him into slavery, they're standing before him needing grain to live, and he gets to pull the trigger on whether it's going to happen or not. Now he messes with them a little bit in the story, if you read it. He messes with them a little bit, but his inclination is to bless them because because I think really it's because of the blessing that he has received, even in the midst of chaotic times, God has always been faithful to him. And because of that, he has the opportunity to be faithful to his brothers. And because, probably because of the love of his father, really. He's going to bless these guys. And so he messes with them a little bit. But then it says, I want you to look at Genesis chapter 45. Real quick, if you have a Bible with you today. We do have Bibles provided if you need one. Genesis 45. So look at uh, uh, chapter 45, and we'll start at just verse 3. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one who sold you, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph's like, don't, don't, it's okay. God's sovereign. He had a plan even in the midst of the sinfulness of man. He has a plan for, to redeem this moment. And God sent me ahead of you to help bring that about. All right, so let's jump over to chapter 50 real quick. Turn a few pages. Look at 50, verse 15. Chapter 50 of Genesis, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, okay, what if Joseph was just playing along and what if he holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him and so they sent word to joseph saying your father left these instructions before he died now i wonder if he 
really left these instructions, or if Joseph's just, or if these guys are just making this up to keep Joseph from, from uh, giving them some justice. It says, this is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they've committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of, of the God of your father. And when their message came to him, listen, listen to Joseph's response. Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Remember I talked about it several different times. This huge word in Scripture. It's called the but word. <laughs> when you see this word, sometimes it's so professed, like a turning, it turns the story completely around. And listen to this. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Listen, you intended to harm me, Here's that word again. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. This morning, I want to encourage you to think about something. How many times have you been in the place of justice or grace with someone about something in your life. Now, parents, we stand in this place a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's a huge responsibility. Now, there are times where justice is necessary to teach the lesson. I get that. And I've, I have given out lots of justice in my home. My kids will all testify to that. But there are also times where you have the opportunity to blow people away with, with extending grace Things they do not deserve, but you give it to them anyway. And the number one reason is, is because you've received it yourself. Right? And as the people of God, if followers of Jesus Christ, we stand in a place of grace so often in our lives. And we have people, we come in contact with people we work with or we go to school with, and we could, we could treat them the way they've treated us because it seems like that's just natural. Or we could extend grace to them in such a way that could totally change your relationship with them in such a way that it could affect the way they see God. And we'll see this later on in the story of Exodus, how that turns out to be true in a couple different ways. I was telling this story, and maybe you've heard it before, and a lot of you haven't, but I was telling this story to a friend of mine last night. Um, there's, a, there's a gentleman that lived a few uh, doors down from us in our, in our little uh, area here in Platte City, and he's been, he, he passed away, it's been several years now, and, uh, and so I was just telling a story about how his, his, his wife, his widow, just left his truck sitting in the driveway, and it's just sitting there as an as a icon, if you will, of his life. And I, and I personally thought, man, what a waste. It could have been given away and blessed somebody else, but it's just sitting there as a reminder of him. Well... Several years ago, this man and two other guys in our community knocked on my door on a Sunday evening and basically told me, you have a couple of choices here. You can either move your basketball goal out of this community because these people are coming up and playing and interrupting our quiet little neighborhood, or we'll move it for you. And so, just as a man, the fight or flight syndrome kicks in immediately, and I'm thinking to myself, whoa, wait a minute, you're going to move my basketball goal? And I, I'm in my suit. I just come home from Sunday night service, you know, looking very pastoral. 
And I wasn't feeling very pastoral at the moment. Like all of a sudden he's like, what? You know? And I'm like, oh, hey, listen, man. I pay taxes like you pay taxes. It's my basketball goal. You know, if, if all the other basketball goals in the community that are in cul-de-sacs want to be moved, I'll move mine too. But until then, don't touch my basketball goal. Well, they like, well, we'll see about that. Well, sure enough, about a week later, the city administrator comes along and puts a sticker on my basketball goal, which tells me I have to move it. So I had no choice at that particular point. So I put it right in the middle of the cul-de-sac. No, I didn't. I, I gave it away <laughs> to another church, somebody else that could use it. Fast forward a few years later, this man, the one with the truck, the one that's gone now, he pulled around in our cul-de-sac on a snowy day with a trailer, and he got stuck. And I'm standing in my bay window looking out, and I see the guy. And what's my first thought? Justice. It's when you get what you deserve, pal. And I'm standing there, I'm thinking, all right, now I have a choice to be in a place of justice or in a place of grace. And my choice was is to get my shoes and my clothes and get my shovel, and I go out and I, un, I shovel the guy out. He doesn't really say a whole lot. He knows who I am. I know who he is. And he, I say, he says, thank you. I said, no problem, man. He drives away. And about 30 minutes later, I hear some noise outside my window, and it's this man with this tractor and a huge blade. And dude, in one swath, just clears out my driveway. Saved me all kinds of work. Took out the whole call to set. Cleaned it completely out. Because grace, when you extend grace, the people who don't deserve it, it changes them. There's, I didn't have to exchange any other words with that man. It's like we had this, this agreement. I see you, man. You see me, and we're all good, right? Yeah, we're all good. And then a few years later, he gets a brain tumor, and he dies. So I never had the opportunity to really have an additional conversation with him. So I want to encourage you, just like Joseph, if you have an opportunity, when you say, no, they deserve this because they hurt me first, happens so much in our homes. Extend grace and see what difference that makes. It's a, that's like, two, you get two sermons for one price today. Now, 400 years later, look at the book of Exodus. 400 years later, the book of Exodus. It says that, uh, now Joseph, this is like verse 3 in the book of, or verse, verse 6, book of Exodus. Now Joseph and all of his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly. They increased in numbers. It became so numerous that the land was filled with them. And then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. And so the story continues. New king, Joseph meant nothing to him. So, just quick thing. Exodus literally means departure. Okay? So I want you to think about it like this. Departure not only from a place from Egypt, but a, a departure from slavery. All right? Departure from slavery. The first 19 chapters, we see God is all-powerful and God is mighty to save. All-powerful, mighty to save. Takes them out of Egypt. Leads them to the Red Sea. Now what are we going to do? You should have just left us in Egypt. We would have been better off just to die there. Complain, complain. I just delivered you out of slavery. <laughs> 400 years worth, and you're complaining. should have just left us there. But then what does God do? He's mighty to save. Did we find? Didn't find it. We were going to try to find a, a, a clip from the, 
the, uh, that movie, you know, the, where they you parse the Red Sea, Charlton Heston, but a powerful epic. We, didn't, we weren't able to find it. But just see that in your mind, all right? Seas parting. They go off on dry land. And then the sea caves in on the, uh, Pharaoh's army. Mighty to save. And, and uh, Moses just said, hey, the Lord's going to fight for you. Just be still. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you're at, whatever it is that you're going through, God is mighty to save you too. Be still. Sometimes we just get, we just try to fix it all ourselves, right? But he, just be still. He will fight for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. Final chapters, we see that God is faithful to his contractual agreement, his covenant with his people, like a husband is to be to his bride. It's like this marriage of God and his people. It's a beautiful picture. God is faithful. Here's some practical advice for study as you're looking at the book of Exodus. There's three defining moments in in Israel's history. The deliverance from slavery, the significance of God's presence. He's with the people. He's there with them, guiding them, fire by night, cloud by day. Even at a time, he sends an angel to walk with them. Now, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be easy for us? If God would just send, an angel would knock on your door tomorrow morning and say, all right, I got this. Let's go. Follow me. Well, you think, okay, that makes sense. That would be easy. I would actually follow along. No, you won't, because you don't obey the speed limit. Some of you know you don't. My wife is one of them. No, she's kidding. She actually does drive a little bit faster than me, but, you know, not to the point of getting a ticket, at least not recently. But anyway, you know you would know. You know you'd, you'd do it for a while. Oh, this is really cool, the angel. And then he's like, hey, you know what? Getting in the way of my fun. Get out of the way. I got my own agenda here. But so God's presence is with them. Presence with them in the, in the midst of a tabernacle. They build a tent. He gives them instructions on what to do with it. Build this tent. This is how I want you to worship me. My presence will be there. My, my presence is always going to be with you. And then, the terms of the covenant, another defining moment. He gives them the ten great suggestions to follow. Right. <laughs> ten commandments. He said, this is, this is, these are the commandments, and this, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the way to live because I love you and I want to protect you. I want, I want the best for you. Young people, if your parents have boundaries for you, thank them because it is to protect you and keep you safe. Color outside the lines, it gets a little messy. And if you don't believe that, just try it a little bit longer and you'll see that it's true. And there's boundaries for us as adults. They're there for a purpose. It's, it's there to keep us safe. And the number one reason is because God loves you. He just does. He loves you. Here's some key chapters. Chapter 12. Turn in your Bible to chapter 12. Okay? I'm giving this to you just so that you can see. In this chapter, we are, we are given the, the story of the Passover, which then gets transformed later on by Jesus into the Lord's Supper, and we remember Jesus' sacrifice, the giving of his body and the shedding of his blood. In chapter 12, it's, it, he gives them instructions on taking a lamb and killing the lamb and taking the blood and putting it over the door frames of your home so that when the angel of death comes, it will pass over your home and he'll deliver you from death. So we're given, we're given a way there of how to have life, how to experience life, how to preserve our life. And then if you turn over to 
chapter 20, that's where he gives the law. He gives the Ten Commandments. And you know in the story that uh, Moses comes down the first time with the Ten Commandments, and he sees the people, <laughs> he gets frustrated with them, and he just like throws a little tantrum, and he throws the tablets on the ground. I don't know what the Lord was thinking at that particular moment. Like, I just wrote those. What are you doing? Ah, kids, kids these days. You know, and so then he has to rewrite them again and he gives them to them later. But 20 is where, that, where that's found. Now, modern day, if you're thinking, where is this all happening? It is southwest or uh, southeast of Cairo, Egypt. If you look on a map where Mount Sinai is and southwest of Jerusalem. So that's where that was occurring at that particular time. So let's, let's recognize in this story the sovereignty of God. Okay, God is in control, but also the responsibility of man. And you ask, maybe you ask yourself and you struggle with this. How can those two things go together? If God is sovereign, all-knowing, and he's, he's got it all worked out, it's going to happen the way he wants it to, then what's the point for us as people? Do we still have a choice? Absolutely. You have a choice. You have a choice of how you're going to spend your money. You have a choice of what you're going to eat for lunch when you walk out of here today. We all have the freedom to choose. And even... Even with God knowing how it's going to turn out, He still gives you the freedom to make that choice. You have a responsibility in this deal. It's like two friends. They're already friends. You don't have to fix that. They're already there. So there's, a resp- there's a res- the sovereignty of God, a responsibility of man. It's a both and. How we live matters, ladies and gentlemen. It matters. It ma- that's how you live affects your family in profound ways. You don't think that's true. There's an obscure story in the book of Exodus that I'll share with you real quick. It's Exodus chapter 4, and Moses has been given the command. God meets him in the burning of a bush that is not consumed. He provides, he provides a sacrifice. He speaks to him. And God tells Moses exactly what to do. Specific instructions. And Moses is on his way to confront Pharaoh for the first time. And in chapter 4, verse 24, there's this crazy story that I didn't even know was in there. And it says that God, when they stopped to rest on the way there, God was about ready to kill Moses. And I'm like, stop. Like, re- just kind of reverse. I'm like, what? God was about ready to kill Moses. Well, you know, the, the next question would be, well, Why? Why was he going to kill Moses? Well, it really comes down to, to this. Moses was not walking in obedience with God. And it was basically like, Moses, if you're not going to walk in obedience with God, I am not going to put you in front of my people and for you to expect them to do the same thing. Here's the deal. Moses had yet to, to circumcise his son. God had already given that covenant. said, that's what you're supposed to do. But Moses had not done it yet. Now, if you're a young person and you're wondering what circumcision is, that's a great conversation you're going to have with your parents later on. I can't wait to hear about it. Let me know how that goes. But in this story, it says Moses' wife, who was not an Israelite, she was a foreigner, she, they must have had the conversation, right? Have you ever had a conversation as, as a couple, and I really think this is the right thing to do, I think really, and we're like, you're like, no, I don't, I don't really agree, but as, the, but as the father, you're like, no, I know this is the right thing to do, but, but I'll just be honest with you, sometimes as guys, we just give in. 
I'm not saying that the women are always wrong. Please do not hear me say that. But I just think sometimes as men, we're called to lead and we become passive and we don't do it when we know it's the right thing to do. Jacob wrestled with that with the, when it came to, to giving. And, and there's other things where it's like we know and we're, we're just like, ah, we're just, we step back. But God confronted Moses at that particular time. And, and in that moment, Zipporah, his wife, took out a knife on the spot, circumcised their son, and it says he, she took the, the skin and laid it on Moses' feet, in a sense, because of the shedding of blood, to purify him so that God would relent. Now that's crazy. You've never seen that VeggieTale episode, I promise. At least, you know, during regular scheduled programming hours, maybe late at night. But there, that'd be a great idea, right? The flannel graph, you know what flannel graphs are as young when we were growing up. Hey kids, look at this story. No, that would scare kids. But you know what? Let me, just, let me just be real with you. Men, that's to scare us. We are called to lead. And I, I came under some pretty heavy conviction. Yeah, I just used that word. When I read this story and realized the, the, the amount of um, responsibility God has placed on me, not only as your pastor, but as a father and a husband. Because how I live affects my children in pretty profound ways. And the people of Israel, God was, was trying to get across to them, how you live matters to the point where I will, I will lay it out for you, how to live. And when they got it right, it had a profound effect on the people around them. Matter of fact, it says that Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, Bodine, if you know who that is. <laughs> Jethro was so amazed that God's working in the, uh, in the Israelites' people's lives that said that he sacrificed to that God. Like he became a believer because of the difference that, that God was making in their lives. Like how you live affects those people around you. It just does. Let's finish with this. If you don't get Exodus then you will not understand the New Testament of the Bible. You will not understand this phrase that John uses in, I think it was John chapter 1, when John the Baptist says about Jesus, look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you know what? That takes you all the way back to the Passover when the shedding of blood causes the plague of death to pass over their homes. Because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of all those who have chosen to follow and believe in Him, to, in a sense, take the blood that was shed on the cross and apply it to our lives, our house, our body, so that we can receive the forgiveness of our sin. So that we can experience life, and then Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will come and dwell inside of you so that he can show you how to live. You think an angel was cool to lead the people? What's even better than that is the Holy Spirit that comes to reside inside of you to guide your thoughts and your actions. Now once again, that's his sovereignty, but you still have a responsibility to listen and to follow. Does that make sense? It's a pretty powerful picture, isn't it? In Philippians chapter 2, it says, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but instead it says he left he came to be born as a baby, to take on the very nature of a servant, and to die on a cross. So that he could give us life 
and give us an example of how it is that we are supposed to live. The worship team is going to come. We're going to do one more song. And I just, I want to be obedient to what, I, what it is I feel like God is, is asking me to do. And that is to ask you, is the blood of Jesus, the blood that He shed on the cross, have you applied that to your life? Are you here this morning and you say, I don't know that I ever really have. As a matter of fact, I would just ask if you just bow your heads. And if you, if you just be honest with me this morning and you would say, you know, I don't, I don't know that I've ever really truly given my life to Jesus and ask the Christ to come and to forgive me of my sin, to live inside of me, to, to help me live out this life. If that's you this morning, would you just put your hand up in the air and say, I, don't, I just don't think I've never done that. I'll just be honest. I just want to be real this morning. It kind of gives me a a feel for who's in the room. Well, maybe maybe this morning you come with a a different need. Maybe you need to pray about a situation that's going on in your life where you maybe you haven't given grace yet and you need to. Maybe like Joseph, you're in a place of authority and you need to extend some grace. Maybe it is to your spouse, to a friend, co-worker, maybe a fellow student that you go to school with. Maybe, Maybe children, you guys are here today and You need to extend some grace to your parents. Listen, in Scripture, God gives us a choice. He calls us to, in a sense, step towards Him. Moses almost blew it because he knew what he was supposed to do, but he didn't do it. So maybe this morning there's there's a need or something that you need to just bring to the Lord. And so we do offer an invitation for people to come. You need someone to pray with you. There are people here in our church that would be, be more than happy to pray with you. I was thinking about this thought yesterday. I mean, I love sports like anybody else. I love the Chiefs. If the Chiefs were to score a touchdown, you would get on your feet and you would cheer. If God is placed something on your heart and He's calling you to something, would you get on your feet and would you come and pray? Just an encouragement this morning. So whatever you feel like the Lord's doing in your heart today, Respond to that. Be obedient. Meet Him and and watch how He meets you.